Welcome, everyone, to the third episode of Game Informers from Panel to Podcast, a show dedicated to all things comic books. That means video games, movies, TV shows, toys, board games, who knows what else, cosplay. We'll get into everything. We just love comics so much. I'm your host, Andrew Reiner, joined, as always, by my good friend, Phil Hoff. Hello, sir. Hi. How are you doing this evening? I am doing fantastic, and what a week for books. It was a lot of different flavors, a lot of new entry points into different universes and things I did not expect. What should we start with? Do you want to start with video games? Do you want to start with comic books? Where where should we go from here? I don't know. Do you got a six-sided die to roll? (laughs) I do do not. Oh. Let's start with with video games, since I would say 80% of my life is video games and 10% is comic books and 10% being a father. No, it, it, <laughs> we play, we both play a lot of video games. And over these last couple of shows, I think we've had a cool beat where we've kind of been talking about what we want from upcoming games. One of the big ones, maybe the biggest one that's not getting enough buzz in my opinion is from Rocksteady Studios. That's the team that did the Arkham series kind of turned vid- uh, comic book video games on their head really created the new footprint that a lot of studios are following with that Bar- Batman Arkham Asylum. And Ooh, you just gave me an idea. <laughs> What's that? It definitely doesn't have to do with Barkham and like this insane asylum for criminal dogs that are just <laughs> naughty. And that's where they lock them up as in Barkham Asylum. Ooh, I'll put it in there by like that. that dog. Yeah. Marvel has their Marvel pets or the Avenger pets or whatever. You should, you should do Barkham. Yeah. That's great. It's a, that's a good slip of the tongue there. And <laughs> the game I'm talking about is Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. It looks way different than the Arkham games, both in terms of just the the tone, the scale, but the gameplay, right? Like there's running and gunning and flying, and it looks like a complete departure. Yet, Phil, it is set in the Batman Arkham series in that universe, mm-hmm. which is very cool. So if you think about that, and the Justice League, which are apparently being hunted by all of the Suicide Squad. We'll go into who they are in a second. Batman's probably not a part of the Justice League if it's taking place after Arkham Knight, which we believe it is. I would assume so as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see like if they tie in the lore in between the previous games into this as well and some of the things that happened. And the Suicide Squad is Captain Boomerang, Harley Quinn, Deadshot, and then our favorite, King Shark. Yes. And here's the design of the game is four player co-op or you know, you could play it single player and switch between any of those four characters at any time. So they'll always be together. I'm guessing there might be points in the game where they are apart or, you know, you're just focusing on one. But I guess for co-op sake, maybe that won't happen, but we'll have to we'll have to wait and see what they end up coming up with here. Which character are you the most excited to play? Like if we're going into this game you- day one midnight launch day who who are you going to claim you're really asking me this question yeah i mean i <laughs> see i am asking you this because i know you're a big mark for batman so you got harley quinn there yep deadshot is just super cool yep Boom- captain boomerang obviously kind of the goofiest of the sort but also we know his history really well from reading flash and all oh, his yeah. comics he's cool King Shark is just, you know, he's the rampaging beast, which is also cool. So, yeah, I am legitimately asking who, you, who you'd go with. Okay. I'm um, torn, by the way. You're what? I'm torn who I would pick. Oh, not me at all. Who's who's doing the voice of King Shark? I'm not sure. 
Let's see. I think I have the notes here. I believe it's Samoa Joe of yeah, it is. professional yep. wrestling fame mixed with a giant human shark. And I can't say no to King Shark in this instance. It, you're going to, if you and I are playing this together, like I have this strange assumption we will be, it's, I, we might have to have a small King Shark fight. <laughs> I think I will be Captain Boomerang. I, I'm just curious what they're going to do to make him powerful and have him stand toe to toe with the likes of King Shark, but also who they're going against. Right. Think about I, this the Justice League, what we know is Superman. Mm -hmm. Who's like the strongest person in the universe. So Mm -hmm. right there, it's fascinating. Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, both of them, by the way, also just legit power. And then the Flash, who is played by a friend of our show, Scott Porter, actor Scott Porter. Nice. I can't wait to see how we end up hunting these these characters. Just absolutely beloved heroes. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll get to kill them. I I don't know. And maybe there's a new Batman. Like at the end of the post credit scene in, in the Arkham Knight, there was like this really dark kind of almost demon-like Batman. Ghostmaker. <laughs> Ghostmaker. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, I might, <laughs> I might not play this then. Yeah, so let's, let's go through these. How do you think they go down? And who kills them? Superman. Um, I think Superman will be kind of your second to last year, final boss battle kind of guy. And if it comes down to a killing aspect, that's got it. That's there's going to have to be a group combination as to of who gets the final shot in or kill in. Um, I want to go completely ridiculous. My initial thought was dead shot with some kind of a kryptonite bullet manages to plant one in Superman's chest, finishes him. But I want them to get completely ridiculous and get King Shark a Kryptonian or a Kryptonite grill to put onto yeah! his giant teeth and just muscle away on Superman. That's exactly what I was thinking. That's what are the odds that we're both thinking <laughs> a Kryptonite grill on a shark? Yeah, just go completely silly with it. Make it awesome. There's no better way to finish him than that. Okay, the Flash. Um, with I'll, the fl- I'll lead on Green Lantern and Wonder Woman, so yep, yep. we'll set you up with the first two here. I think Captain Boomerang's the obvious choice, and I don't see how they don't go Captain Boomerang, just because of the long-standing history with it. I guess that's kind of what I would like to see as well, although I wouldn't mind Harley getting a couple of licks in as well, because I don't recall seeing too much interaction, if any, between Harley and the Flash in the history of history. Yeah, I'm sure it's happened, just because there's everybody's crossed over with everything, mm-hmm. but I can't. I, I don't know if I re- ever read that story either. Let's see, let's okay. So now we have who Green do you have Lantern. taken down? Green Lantern. I would have. I mean, I would have King Shark take down everybody. Well, yeah, that's the obvious answer. The most, <laughs> it'd be the most entertaining. <laughs> but let's go with let's go with Harley on this one. Okay, Harley Quinn. I'm gonna say hyenas. Oh, you know, like she's got him beaten down with her club or whatever, mocking him like she does, and then yeah, just the, a feast for the for the hyenas. Do you Mine's think not she as gets, clever? Do you think she gets pissed off at the hyenas for finishing what she started? Like they oh, kind of go on their own and she's just like, what are you guys <laughs> doing? This was my kill. That would be good. I, I could see that happening. And then Wonder Woman, I guess, you know, let's just give it to who we have left. And that would be Deadshot. Deadshot. No, he, well, I guess you mentioned he could kill off Superman, but yeah, Deadshot. I don't know. How do you take down Wonder Woman? I don't. <laughs> uh, and also like, are they going to take them all down? We don't know that either. Right. Will we be playing as the Justice League at some point? That'd be cool. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, again, we have four characters, four characters on both sides. I'm fascinated by this game. And the footage has been incredible. 
started out with CG movie or CG cutscene that looked just the detail in it was just phenomenal. Jaw dropping. Yeah. And you just want to keep watching that like as an animated film. Right. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, you're like, oh, it's going to give way to gameplay. And when you see the gameplay, it's so dynamic. Yeah. Blending like that kind of Arkham style freeform combat, you know, the the multi-angled combat. And then you have run and gun and jetpacks and all that stuff sewn into it. It looks crazy, and and I'm I'm on board. I cannot wait to get my hands on this. I'm worried, you know, yep. about the Avengers co-op. Like I like the Avengers. You like the Avengers as yeah. well, but I just worry about you know it being too much of a service game and not enough of a story game. I want a story game. I I would rather have it not have any service stuff. Yep. <laughs> you know, like down the road, just have it be. Yes, you could play it co-op, but everything that's in the box, that's all you get. I would rather have that game than something that's going to have like five years of content promised or 10 years. Yeah. Just given like Anthem into Avengers and then this one's kind of queued up. Uh, It's shaky ground. Obviously, Destiny has been fantastic. There's examples of it working. Yep. But I would like to just see it be more of a rock steady production like what we know from them. What Did about they you? recently announced that this has been delayed or was that something that happened in my brain? That's a rumor, I believe, that it. it might be sliding into 2023. But I, I kind of anticipated that anyway with Gotham Knights right. kind of hanging out there. I, I don't see them stacking those on top of each other. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to have both games in the same year. Mm-hmm. But just from a, you know, a company perspective, I think we'll probably get one this year, one next year. And it makes sense that Suicide Squad might be next year. Yep, spread the love out. Uh, but from what I'd like to see from this game, very similar to yourself, where I want to see it being, I don't want to see it being a fan service, or not a fan service, but a service game where they're just tacking stuff on every six months for the sake of tacking stuff on. Because to me, as much as I really, really enjoyed the Avengers single player, at least the main mission, everything else just kind of felt so thrown together. It just kind of felt flat where they were just recycling the same maps over and over and over again, or the same areas like that. And I, I don't want to see this game go down that exact same road. I think that it, it, it It'd get me to lose interest very, very fast in what otherwise looks to be a super promising game. I can't see them turning it that way, but you never know. Our favorite book of the week is the same one, I believe. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and just dive into it. Uh, I'm assuming we're talking about Daredevil Woman Without Fear. That is correct. Okay, good. This has been... Watching Elektra do her thing as the entire Devil's Reign thing is breaking down, written by Chip Zdarsky, who I'm a huge sucker for. I don't think you're quite as big of a fan as I am, but I've also went a little bit deeper into a lot of the stuff that he writes. He uh, he knocks anything that's kind of crime-based out of the out of this world because he he understands the way and how to present that and gives you enough to keep you wanting to go while feeding you more and more the entire time. I think this has so far been beautifully illustrated and the story that's being told is great. And you can tell that her and Matt have got this kind of forbidden, Matt being Murdoch, of course, having this kind of forbidden love going on where they just keep coming back and falling back into each other's arms repeatedly and often, no matter what else happens around them. They're always just there for each other. Then they realize it's a huge mistake and they keep going. This one starts off, of course, with them being back in each other's arms in multiple, multiple ways, positions and locations. Yeah, there's a lot of sex. I was... uh... (laughs) I was surprised, mm-hmm. even on a car. Yeah, it was a it, it it was a little steamy to start with, but then it gets yeah, back not into... even in the car on the car. Yeah, it's you know that's out there for everybody to see. Why wouldn't you want to? And it and it's 
two attractive people. Like, you know, somebody watched from the woods. You know they did. But then it gets back into Electra just going to the nuts and bolts and killing things and messing things up. And she discovers who it is that's kind of after her right now. And it turns out it's a favorite of both yours and mine, being Craven the Hunter, which yep. I popped super huge for. There's a variant cover of this, or I'm sorry, the second printing comes out where it's one of the last panels from the uh, from the issue. And it's basically Craven standing there, Electra in the foreground, him in the background, super sexy. I might get the second second printing just because I like that panel of art so much. I think it's a limited series. I think it's three or I four think it's issues. three issues, yeah. There's good news, though. She's going to be in Savage Avengers coming out in May. And boy, she has become so popular with this new costume, new identity, mm-hmm. so to speak. Not just the costume, but, you know, new stance in the universe here. She's got to get her own book, right? Like, No doubt. Again, I mean, she's had her own book a couple of times, but why not give it another throw and see if this is the one that sticks? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all about it here. A book I did not expect to like, Phil. The cover is really cartoony. It's called Monkey Prince. It's a new number one from DC. This is set in their main universe, their main continuity. And it, it's a new hero. And it, it is, you know, based on the Monkey King story. So it's, you know, a younger version of that. Very colorful outfit with turquoise pants and gold and red all over it. And then, you know, the monkey face. I open it up. First page, there's Batman. And I'm like, what's going on? And it turns out this is a new Gotham-based character that they're trying to launch. And I had a good time reading this. It, it kind of had shades of Spider-Man origin story, you know, like teenager, fun, free spirits. And I think Gene Yang and Bernard Chang, the the creative team, did a really nice job sewing this into that, that kind of darker Batman universe. The main character here is Marcus Sun, and his family is into some shady stuff, Phil. And it's right there. You're like, okay, this is a little different than an origin story of just something happening to a kid, right? There's darker kind of seeds being sown here. When he becomes the monkey prince, it's it, it goes places again. I don't want to get into it, but it's 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 wild. One thing I'll say at the end, this is a spoiler, but Batman's battling monkey prince and he throws a battering at him and knocks monkey prince's head off. And that's how the story ends. This first issue ends. And and the, the head's still talking, by the way. So it is a, a very different, very interesting first issue. And I'll be back for number two. So I highly recommend you go back and pick this up. Uh, if it's still at the comic store on Wednesday, we'll definitely be picking that up. Another issue that had a really shocking last page, which I won't tell you what it is, but Fantastic Four Reckoning War issue one came out. This is a big, huge, universe-spanning Fantastic Four story that goes into the Watchers. Okay. They've had their ranks shaken up recently. Again, I don't want to spoil too much, but boy, it sows into this. And Reed Richards' stuff that's going on there is very interesting. That could have seismic, huge ripples that spread across the Marvel Universe if it sticks, right? Like, this is just the first issue. There's a big moment at the end. You're like, oh, God, they're doing something huge. We'll see if that continues on for this whole series, but it seems like that's the seed they're planning. Like they're going to, I don't want to say reinvent Reed Richards, but they are amping him up from what he's been in the past. That could be a lot of fun because he's Reed Richards. He's one of the smartest men in the entire universe. And to see some kind of a nice change on that could be, could be fun to watch transpire. And who knows even what roads it'll turn down as, as it goes on. Does this tie into Devil's Reign at all? Because they're kind of an active part of that as well. It's sharing the same time, okay. but this this one's very cosmic yep. in, in kind of where it's going, but uh, I don't know if we're going to have it bleeding over. 
let's go to movies real quick before we kind of go into more comic books. Michael Keaton is coming back mm-hmm. as Batman. It's huge news. He's not only going to be in The Flash, which is like a Flashpoint story where we're going to have kind of multiverse stuff going on. Ooh. But he's also going to be in the new Batgirl movie that's coming out, which I was surprised by. I thought he would be like cameo in The Flash, kind of mm-hmm. one and done, kind of like Toby and Andrew in the new Spider-Man movie. But it sounds like he's back in. He's in the suit. He's he's back being uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman. What do you think of that? Uh, have you seen the suit that he's in? No. Oh, I was curious if it was going to be the same 1989, 1991 Batman. Oh, that's going to be so much fun. I don't care how old Michael Keaton is at this point. Like, that's just, that feels good and that's fun. That's kind of what put DC movies back on the map, right? Where this was the 1989 Batman movie and like what Tim Burton's vision of that was, uh, including obviously with the uh, Jack Nicholson Joker. So, I mean, if he's got that same style going for him, that's just going to be a good time. It'll be fun to see exactly what his role is when it plays out in it, though. When I say it's the same suit, I'm taking that he was. On a talk show, I can't remember if it was Fallon, uh, I don't remember which one it was, but he was saying like, yeah, same suit, fit like a glove, you know, like, and he looks great, right? Like he's obviously aged, you know, (laughs) over time, but he's in good shape. It looks like he could pull it off. I'm going to pop so hard in the theater when when he comes out, if he's wearing that same one with the yellow Batman symbol. Uh Uh-huh. It would be fantastic. And I'm I'm hoping he has a big role in that. And then that bleeds into Batgirl. I don't know about this multiverse stuff that's going on. Like, I love it. But at the same time, we have so many amazing stories and origin stories and other characters to get to that we're already like, hey, here's three Batman. Here's three Spider-Man. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm a little worried that they're they're just kind of playing off the big names as much as they can. What do you want from this? I don't want to see multiverse stuff. There's enough going on, especially in DC Comics with everything that's going on, as there always is with the multiverse, as there is in Marvel as well. But DC seems to be going really hard at it for the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years. Just keep everything nice and clean here on Earth Zero and keep telling those stories. I almost wouldn't even mind seeing uh, Bruce in almost a Batman Beyond type of a role where he's almost more so mentoring Batgirl than anything else. That'd and be awesome. Hopefully that's kind of what this is, because I don't necessarily want to watch him out there kicking all the butt in the entire world as a 65-year-old man. But I think his appearance will be fun. And to even just if he throws on the on the suit to go do some training and they do it that way, I, I think that'd be I'd enjoy that quite a bit. You know, there was a rumor of a Batman Beyond show, mm-hmm. and the rumor was Michael Keaton would come back as old Batman to be mentoring him. And I was uh, like, oh, that's perfect. Do it. It's so fun. Do you want to see Ben Affleck's Batman again? <laughs> I take that as a no. <laughs> Why would I want that? You know, he fit the suit best of anyone, right? He did. He was probably the worst Bruce Wayne. Yep. Well, I mean, mm. we had Val Kilmer. We had, uh, I'm spacing up, George oh, Clooney. Uh, George Clooney. Christian well Bale. Christian Bale. Yeah. Who, do, who was your lowest tier Bruce Wayne? Uh, I Mine's mine's Ben Affleck, with without a doubt. Affleck and Kilmer are neck and neck, and for Affleck, just because his face is such a dead giveaway that he's Batman, that you can't <laughs> even begin to hide it. I, one of the comics I read this week said something along the lines of, you know, one of these days they're going to start using facial recognition and they're going to pull your lip, they're going to be able to figure out who you are by your by your mouth and lips. And Val Kilmer is a perfect example of that, where he's got a very distinct mouth, and that set me so far off and back while watching the Val Kilmer movie that it was just like, I can't buy into this. Hey, did you watch The Mandalorian, by the way, the first two seasons? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, Luke Skywalker came back, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody in the world knows this. What I didn't know is, so they had Mark Hamill on set 
and he would act through something. Then they'd have a younger version, a younger actor come in and mimic his movements. So Mark would be like kind of teaching this actor what to do. Mm-hmm. And then the actor would do those same movements. So it's like they're bringing the real Luke Skywalker in to do it. What they didn't use, so Mark's voice has changed. They used computers and machine learning to fabricate a new voice for Mark Hamill. So when you hear him talking, it's a computer. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, I had no idea. But that's how far advanced we are where any of these Batman could come back for forever now. Right. Right. Like (laughs) it could just be like we could have Adam West until the end of time. Seriously, bring back Adam West and, and the Flash. That's probably bad taste, but the the tech is there, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the everybody can live on forever as young versions of their characters in these movies. It's it's bonkers. I didn't think it'd be in our lifetime. It'd be this realistic, but no. Well, you look at Peter Cushing in Star Wars movie as well when they brought him back as uh, as, yeah. as Tarkin, and we're not talking Star Wars, but I mean, again, they they've got the technology and the means to do such things. It's so it's bizarre. Let's go back in time. To a better time where we weren't bringing people back, uh, you know, <laughs> as CG creations. Let's go uh, to some of our legacy books, Phil. What's mm-hmm. uh, what's your pick? Uh, my pick is one that I, I kind of pondered upon this one for a while as well. I didn't want to go with anything too wheelhousey. That's something that I normally rant and rave about. But a comic that was very near and dear to me, especially during the mid to late 90s, that just kind of... I don't know. It almost opened my eyes to a more mature means of telling superhero stories. And what I'm referring to is Sandman Mystery Theater. Oh, good pick. Which had a 70 issue run, if I remember correctly. And it started early 90s. I want to say like 93 and probably went until 2019, 1999, somewhere along those lines. I it, it told the story of the original Sandman back in the 1930s and kept that entire noir vibe to it, which if you remember me talking about Sin City, I'm kind of a sucker for that thing if it's pulled off well. And I feel as though this one did it really, really well. It was under the Vertigo title, so it kept things a lot darker than the normal DC titles did. And it only had like five or six really big main overarching stories, but they were told so, so well. I remember that first one was just lights out, awesome murder mystery. Mm -hmm. And that's the way that the entire series was done was that way, where it was kind of whodunity murder mystery. It was written by Matt Wagner and Steven Seagal. Not that Steven Seagal, different Steven Seagal. (laughs) And they absolutely got the entire vibe and the narrative and that feel of just that 1930s, the the dirty 30s down. And it was one of those comics that made me realize that it doesn't all need to be spandex and capes and masks that you could tell a story about. I think they should bring that series back with your boy, Chip Zdarsky, oh, working on man, that. Man, if he wrote that, you'd never talk to me again. I'd be too busy rereading those because <laughs> I think that's the kind of narrative that he could absolutely knock out of the park. Yeah, yeah. And uh, boy, that was such a great series. I know a lot of people were confused by that with that kind of running at the same time as the the other Sandman. Uh, Neil Gaiman Sandman, yeah. Yeah, but it was, yeah, it was both of them were well worth reading and some of the best books coming out each month. Mm-hmm. My pick is Captain America Streets of Poison. <laughs> yes. Which is Cap taking on drug dealers, basically, and accidentally getting a huge dose of a narcotic called ice. So he, he ODs on it, and it kind of blends with his super soldier serum and turns him basically into, like, not quite the Hulk. He's angry, and he's hurting people, and the government's like, yo, you got to stop, man. Like, that's not what Captain America represents. And it's he's kind of 
in this space between the Red Skull and Kingpin, it gets to a point where he has to drop the shield and and take off the uniform. And that's where they brought in all these other Captain America kind of replacements, right? Like especially the U.S. agent mm-hmm. that we recently just saw on Falcon and the Winter Soldier show, which was great because I was like, oh, they're they might go into streets of poison here, but they're already past it, right? Like that right. point of 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 that happening. But this was such a fantastic run. I want to say it was 15, 20 issues. It had a a long lasting outcome to it that kind of stretched over where after having this happen to him, I mean, I know he turned into a werewolf and stuff like that, and that sucked. Cap Wolf. <laughs> but I can't believe they put that in Avengers, by the way. The Avengers game, <laughs> you can get the Cap Wolf. You could get the cap wolf skin. I think I paid like 12 bucks for that. And I used it for like a night. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, it was art by Ron Lim, who's one of my favorite artists of all time. He did a long stint on Silver Surfer. Yep. And then written by Mark Gruenwald. Yeah. One of the best Captain America stories ever. And probably the darkest one ever as well. If we really stop and like reflect upon it, especially at that time, I just remember kind of turning the entire comics world on its ear. Like, Oh, you guys just went really dark. Yeah, that was, and it wasn't like in that Frank Miller, dark Knight returns dark. It was just kind of made sense in his universe. Kind of like when he accidentally, or he didn't accidentally, he had to shoot someone to save more lives. And that just destroyed him, you know, Mm -hmm. just mentally destroyed him that he took someone's life. And used a gun, you know, just these things that were very kind of anti-Captain America at the time. I know in the movies, you know, Caps just running around with guns. You know, it's a whole different <laughs> ball game. <laughs> Peeling Caps. But, yeah, but he, uh, yeah, that that destroyed him. But so that's my pick. Yours was Sandman Mystery Theater. Mine is Captain America Streets of Poison. Both you can find as trades, both well-respected. And I don't know how well Captain America Streets of Poison will hold up. It's very much the old superhero book formula. I know Sandman still holds up. Uh, those old Vertigo books were ahead of their time. And uh, yeah, that's a fun read. Mm-hmm. All right, Phil, let's move on to our picks of the week. We already gave away our big one, which was Daredevil Woman Without Fear. I'm also going to give props to Batman. Okay. The Abyss Story Part 3. Love the art. I think this is the best oh, yeah. art in comics today. Like, geez, every issue. I don't know how they're pumping it out every month. It's the the not just the the pencils and inks, but the colors and <laughs> it's yeah. Every page you're just like, wow, look what they did here. And it's yeah, really captured got- like that darkness slash haunting aspect of the entire thing too, which fits the character so so well. Both characters so well. Yep, and we have a new villain that's kind of making his mark, so to speak, and I think it's I think it's been uh it's been pretty good so far. Yep. And also Amazing Spider-Man introducing the Goblin Queen. That was really good. Yeah, I was surprised they were able to slide that in into this arc. I thought it was very much about Ben Riley and Peter Parker, but maybe now we're shifting gears over to a new villain taking center stage and maybe being what this is all about. We'll have to wait and see. And the way that she was created was pretty nifty as well for anybody that's read the last two or three issues. Like, I, I, I enjoyed the concept of where she came from. And then the last one, this is not a good book, but I enjoyed <laughs> it. It was uh, Savage Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to say. It, it It is a spider in a Spider-Man suit. And you're hearing this kind of very primitive life form 
talking and thinking and battling and you know, getting all of its emotions. It, it's a very strange read. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I kind of enjoyed it. It reminded me of Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man run where there was the doom, doom, <laughs> doom. <laughs> Which and would explain I, I, the McFarlane variant cover as well. He didn't draw yeah. it. It was drawn in that exact same vein. The same one as Spider-Man number one. Yeah. Yep. You got that one. I was jealous of that. I didn't I didn't have I didn't even see that. Yeah, Eric tipped me off to that and I'm like, I am all over that. Why didn't he tell me? I don't I'm know. I'm in the store and, and I'm buying this comic and doesn't say anything. I just buy the standard cover and then you get tipped off that hey, <laughs> there's uh there's this super cool variant cover and and you get it and I don't get it. <laughs> Sorry, man. Uh, did you get the vibe too that this is kind of covering up for the nonstop Spider-Man? Because it almost looked like they had the Savage written on top of nonstop, where they realized that nonstop didn't take off as well as they thought that it did, so they're trying something new with it. Ah. Which also might have been the way that the pacing in that book was the way that it is too. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, the thing I was done reading it in like three minutes, mm-hmm. but I had a smile on my face, and I'm back for number two again. And it's exactly, I guess, to a degree, it's exactly what I wanted—a very different superhero vibe kind of comic book vibe but at the same time it was like oh boy this is maybe it'd be better from a omniscient perspective I, <laughs> uh, rather than being in this guy's head <laughs> i don't know what'd you think of that one i didn't know what to expect going in i believe my exact words when i was talking to eric again were i can't say no to this it looks so dumb and goofy that i think i'm gonna enjoy it immensely and i did like you said it was a quick read but the art style was very fitting for what was going on in it and like they kind of give a little bit of background as to where the Savage Spider-Man came from and what he's doing there and what his purpose is. Yeah, uh, I, th- I actually thought it was a I, it was a good read. I'll go back for number two as well. Um, but it wasn't what I was expecting. So yeah, it's a it's a decent read, and again, a very quick one. And Phil, let's see what picks do you have for the week outside of Daredevil? Uh, outside of Daredevil, my number one would have been Newburn, which on the cover is just listed as N, and it was the third issue of that. And not to, again, jump all over Chip Zdarsky, but this is his tale of the detective that works for all families of the mafia and trying to track down a killer. And he ends up getting invited to this big house. I don't recall what the name of the house is off the top of my head. Him and his new sidekick, which she just says, this looks goth as hell as they walk up to the place. And it's like <laughs> essentially all of the big crime lord families, their heads are all meeting in this place to try to figure out who's picking off their people. Investigation ensues. They find out who's getting to the bottom of it. It ends with a nice little twist at the end of it that uh, gave you a little bit more background as to of Newburn's history and kind of where it might be going as well. And she, the sidekick at some point during the course of this, realizes that the mob's not going to touch him but what about me? Which kind of adds like a new new back thought into the entire thing. Again, really, really well written. I'm enjoying this. I'm going to keep going with the series as long as it goes. All right. What else? Uh, my number two is going to be Crossover by Donny Cates. He, uh, Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> he's managed to write himself into this comic, and it just keeps, it keeps amusing me further and further and further. Some of the interactions that happen with all the different image characters, because they're throwing everybody and anybody in the entire image universe into this book make me chuckle and again final page big reveal of uh, a character that is known to a lot of people that don't necessarily read comic books but they watch a certain tv show that was on amc for an extended period of time who comes walking out of the background and pick three i'm gonna go with joker puzzle box it finally wrapped up that story being told where joker basically riddler's been killed 
And Joker's telling what happened to this from his entire perspective while not necessarily giving anything away. And this one neatly puts a, a bow on the entire story, which I thought was pretty fun just because you got Joker in an interrogation room messing with Harvey and with Jim Gordon about what actually transpired here. And he's telling stories that could take place all the way over to Siberia, back into Gotham and all over in, in everywhere else in between. And it comes down to him getting a bunch of people to work together to better what he's doing. And this big payoff of what's inside of the puzzle box was classic Joker, what the payoff was. All right. And now, Phil, we're going to do our kind of hidden pick. We mm-hmm. didn't we always show each other what we buy each week, but we're now taking a chance in a series we've never read. Mm-hmm. I'm going to count this down from three and on zero, basically where zero is. We're both going to say the name of it because I have a feeling we both bought the same book. I think. I don't know if you're going to go down the same road that I went down. This is going to be interesting. All right. You ready? Uh Uh-huh. Three, two, one. Primos. Manor Black. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. What was yours? Primos. I don't even know what that is. Um, Do you want me to go first on this? Yeah, go for it. Um, So it's a four-part series that's coming out from AWA Upshot. It's written by Al Madrigal. I'm sorry if I mispronounced the name, who I believe has some like Daily Show credibility behind him. He was like one of the head writers and reporters for The Daily Show. Hmm. Um, It deals with a group of cousins with primo in Spanish meaning cousin who find out that they are the descendants of like these this Aztec warrior who ended up getting called into space to try to save the entire world. And it turns out they've got the powers to try to stop whatever's going on. Very interesting read. They find themselves on nowhere near Mexico and, and the big Aztec temples and not really knowing what to do with their powers. Most of issue one deals with how they got into the spot that they were and what it is that they're up against because they get visited by their quote unquote 500 year old uncle who originally started this entire thing off and how this came to be that they needed to save the world. Um, I enjoyed it. I'll go back for the next three issues because once I buy issue one, I'm basically until the end, especially for a miniseries. Um, again, yeah, it was it's re- not a big commitment, right? No, it's a four issue commitment, which is going to cost you a grand whopping $16 at the most. Okay. Mine was Manor Black. Mm-hmm. This is a, a series that's already been around. I think it started in 2019, but this is a new chapter. It's Fire in the Blood. And it is a fascinating story of a family that's of sorcerers that are just kind of bickering. The The description on this is the powerful and ancient blood sorcerer Roman Black has taken a young fire mage under his wing after she has done the impossible. Taken her magic houses totem spirit inside herself. The totem is powerful and may be impossible to control, especially when Roman's children begin to see the young mage as a threat. And there's a, uh, a shot in this. It's so cool where she's like, He's kind of training her and she's producing fire. And and then she uh, she starts this tree on fire and then she pulls it all the way back in, like sucks all the fire right back off the tree. And I was like, oh, this, oh. this could go places. I don't know how many how many issues this will end up being. But yeah, I liked it. And that's from uh, uh, the writer is Colin Bunn and Brian Hurt. So it's a, a duo writing team okay. and then art by Brian Hurt. And. Yeah, it's good. I, I kind of want to go back and read the other ones now. This is one of those where it's like, oh, this this hooked me, and now I have to get every issue before it. And thankfully, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of them, but all too often, I'll be like, I loved this comic. I need to get all of them. There's 36 issues I need to go track down. And uh, thankfully, yeah, that won't be the case here. I'll add that onto my list as well. That sounds intriguing.
As always, we're going to end our show with a look ahead to what's coming out in a couple of days here. If you are listening to this on Tuesday, new books come out on Wednesdays. You ready, Phil? I've got a pen and paper, and I'm going to start counting off how many books I think I'm going to buy. All right, here we go. Detective Comics. Mm -hmm. Amazing Spider-Man. Both of those come out every week, by the way, for listeners. (laughs) Every week, and that's not an exaggeration. They are weekly. I think Detective's only through 12 issues, though. They're doing it weekly, and I think we're four into that run. Okay. We have Justice League 2022 Annual Number 1. Moon Knight Number Mm 8. Devil's Reign, Four of Six. Yes, please. It's got U.S. Agent on the cover and Rhino. Yes. The Avengers Number 53 has Namor on the cover and Black (laughs) Panther. Hey, it's a long time coming. Batman Catwoman Number 10. Oh. The Joker, number 12. New Mutants, number 24. Star Wars Darth Vader, number 20. Superman, Son of Kal-El, number 8. X-Deaths of Wolverine, number 2. I am there 100%. Did you get the, both of the X-Lives or just the second one? Yes, I did. Yep. Okay. I've, I've enjoyed them. We'll see where this goes. It seems like they're setting up a whole new future for Wolverine, but I'm guessing that won't be the case. <laughs> Batman Urban Legends, number 12. Radiant Black number 12. I've This is one where I was like, okay, this is popular. I need to buy all 11 issues. And I have all 11. I've read the first one and I really enjoyed it. I love Radiant Black. I'm an absolute sucker for that. And they're doing a couple of branch off series as well that I will probably go head first into. Batgirls number three. Ugh. Oh, that was out loud. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I am Batman number six. Oh, that's back Hawk- after a break. Yeah. Hawkeye Kate Bishop number four. That's been solid. The Secret X-Men, number one. I don't know what that is. Hmm. Future State Gotham, number 10. I cannot believe Future State is still going. And it's only the Gotham title as well. And from what I understand, it's tying into or it's going to lead into what's going into Batman right now somehow, which makes me kind of want to go back and grab because I've got the first four or five issues and it makes me kind of want to get the rest just to see how it does all incorporate itself. Yeah, If it does. Yeah, that's a big (laughs) if. Titans United number six, Star Wars The High Republic, Trail of Shadows number five, Todd McFarlane's Spawn Universe, Scorched number two, King of Spies number three, Redneck number 32, Mighty Morphin number 16. They're no longer Power Rangers, apparently, just Mighty Morphin. Interesting. Any idea why? Uh, They just don't put that on there for some reason. I don't know. Seven Secrets number 14. Black Manta, number six. That is Aquaman's villain. <laughs> Maestro, World War M, yes. number one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're in trouble. Yeah, so I'm laughing at Maestro. It's like, I'm going to get that. And then there's Suicide Squad Blaze, number one. Uh-huh. Have you I'm seen the cover that. of that? Yes, and it's Black Label. So Yeah. I mean, Suicide Squad's always just over-the-top, zany, Super ridiculous. Bloody, a lot of death. What are they going to do on the black label? Uh, Peacemaker uh, is what they're going to do. Yeah, probably, yeah. Radio Apocalypse number two. The Batman and Scooby-Doo Mysteries number 11. I'm going to go back and get the first crossover. 10. Pennyworth number seven. Magic the Gathering number 11. Star Wars Adventures 14. Hardware Season 1 number four. Blade Runner 2029 number 12. Jeez, there's some of these like licensed comics just keep going. Mm-hmm. Somebody's buying them. And then a lot of indie stuff coming. There's a ton. 
a ton. Hellboy, uh, 1957, Forgotten Lives, number one. I'm just going to call out the ones I see here as I scroll. Norse Mythology, three, number one. Looks like a trilogy of books. I was like, wait, three, number one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, part three, number one, I guess. TMNT, best of Jenica, number one. Hmm. And we'll end it there. But there's plenty more coming. As always, if you have any feedback on the show, please let us know. It's been great talking to you on Twitter and all that and getting emails from you. I'm at at Andrew underscore Reiner. Phil, where are you at? I'm at the letter B, now 23. All right. And thanks again for all the support. We're just getting started here. We're spending way too much money on it, but hopefully it's of value to you and you're getting some good books to read and let us know if there's anything that we haven't talked about that you want to hear us comment on or dive into, you know, yeah, give us, give, give us, us some, recommendations. Some of your picks. We would love to go. I, I shouldn't say we, I would love to go headfirst into a new title and just get absorbed into it because that's kind of, that's my jam, man. I get two days off a week and I will sit around and read a new comic for two days at a time and not think twice about it. Just ask something skilling the children and department of truth. There you go. Set Phil up, and uh, we'll see you again in seven days. Goodbye, everyone. Take care.